as we barrel forwards, approaching another holiday season, another winter, another year, the hole within me still feels gaping, still feels empty, still craving her love and comfort to fill it. Hi listeners, welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and then suddenly everyone left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with people working in the grief field. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. No matter how long someone may have had a serious illness, most people will say the death caught them off guard. It seems like there's really no way to ever be fully prepared for the moment that someone dies. For today's guest, Camilla, death came barreling into her world with zero warning. Her world shifted on its axis on an average morning in September. She woke up in the house that she shared with her mother in the Bay Area and expected just another average day. Then she went to check on her mother only to find that she had died in her sleep. No warning signs, no indicators that anything was amiss. Her mom was there, and then she wasn't. In the nine years since that morning, Camilla, who was 21 at the time, has grieved intensely and intently. She's reinvented herself and her life a few times over. She searched for connections with her mother and has found an outlet for expression in her writing. Camilla, thanks for being part of the show today. Thanks for having me. I know there's a lot for us to talk about, including like the way grief gets into every aspect of our lives. But before we get into all of that, just tell us a little bit about your mom. Like, who was she? What was she like? Wow. My mom was a vibrant, eccentric woman. She was very passionate and loved people. She loved celebrating life. Any excuse that she had to celebrate, she would do that. Her and my dad were among a core group of people that have run a soup kitchen in San Francisco for the last 40 plus years. So she was a pillar and a leader in the community. She had a ton of friends and a very large life, and she made everyone in her life feel special. She was an incredible mom, and I just, um, I was very, very close with her. I felt like we had a unique relationship. It didn't always feel like she was the mom and I was the kid. It felt more like we were friends, especially as I got older, even though I was 21 when she died. When you looked around to your other friends who were in their early 20s and the relationships they were talking about having had with their parents at that time, how was your relationship with your mom different? How did it stand out? It felt like other people had more of a like frustrating mother-daughter relationship, maybe more irritated or just like my friends were still very much the child to their mother. And even though there was a huge amount of comfort that I sought for my mom, I did feel like we could talk on a level that was more equal. And so here you are, you're 21, and you have this really unique relationship with your mom, who sounds like a powerhouse, like just a force in the world and in her community and in her family. And then one morning, she's just gone. 
What do you remember about those first minutes, hours, and days after she died? I can remember really vividly going into her room and checking on her because it appeared as though she had slept much later than she normally did. And trying to wake her up, realizing that she wasn't waking up, calling 911, calling my dad, just the minutes of the realization that she wasn't waking up um, and that she had died in her sleep. So I can remember the hour after pretty vividly. And then I would say for about the first year, there's pockets that I remember. And then there's a lot of time that I don't remember. I can remember being involved in the planning of her memorial, which people did we want to speak and what kind of food did we want to have. I felt very strongly for some reason that we had to have the most giant bowl of Hershey's chocolate kisses that we could, <laughs> preferably purple, um, because purple was her color. They they came to me and they were like, they only have silver ones right now. Is that okay? And of course, of course it was okay. So I can remember that and I can remember her memorial, which we had about three weeks after she died. And then there's a lot of gaps. So people will, my sister in particular, will ask me, oh, do you remember this? And do you remember this? And a lot of times they say no, because mm-hmm. um, they can't remember. What do you think contributed to that, not being able to remember? I think a lot of it was just the trauma of what happened and that there were so many emotions at once and having to still do my life. I mean, I worked a little part-time just to have something to do. And yeah, I think it was just too much to handle at one time. What words would you use? I know it's been nine years, but thinking back, what words would you use to describe the way grief felt in those first few weeks and months? Overwhelming, way too heavy to handle. I remember waking up crying and I going to sleep, sort of being cried out and just feeling like this is the new world that I have to adjust to and I don't see how I'm ever going to adjust. And we talk a lot about how grief is so different for everyone, especially in a family. People can grieve really differently. What's your sense of you being the one who found your mom and found that she had died? How did that play out in terms of how you were grieving maybe in relation to other people in your family? I don't necessarily think that me finding her had that much of an impact on the grief itself. When I tell people that, people, even now, people respond in this very, in this way that makes me feel like, oh, that must have been really traumatic. But it's more honestly off of their reactions sometimes than my own memory of it, even though it, I do feel like it was traumatic. But I feel like the, the loss of losing the most important person in my life was really what struck me. So any differences maybe in the grief would be more attributed to the nature of the relationship that you had with your mom. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that was something that was surprising for me, was realizing how unique everyone's grief experience is, even if my relationship to that person was the same as, like, a label as someone else's, for instance. My sister and I have had very different, our own grief journeys, and that seemed very surprising to me. Yeah, because it's like, wait, well, that person was your mom, and it was my mom, and it was the same mom. (laughs) How come we're feeling or acting so differently? Right. It's curious what you said about, like, other people's reaction sort of being a spark to you of, well, maybe I should have a certain feeling or a certain experience. And one of the other places 
I think that comes up a lot is people making assumptions that a certain type of death leads to a certain type of grief response. Mm. And with your mom dying so suddenly, no warning sign. And then maybe listening to other people whose person died after a really long-term illness. What have you learned for yourself in terms of the differences or the similarities in grief when someone dies suddenly or after a long illness? I think that people always want to find the sort of grass is greener thing. But after listening to people's experiences, having had people in their life die from long illnesses, that sounds really hard. (laughs) I think that there's perhaps a little bit less of the feeling that you got the rug pulled out from under you because if you know potentially someone has cancer that the possibility of them dying could be somewhere in your mind and although my mom was 63 when she died and I I knew someday she would die there was no ounce of any knowledge in my body that she could die at any minute like that Someday was like the long, long, long way from now day. Right. Someday was after I've graduated from college and after I'd found a significant other and after all of these things, not when I was 21. I think what I've also learned is no matter whether someone has died from a long illness or someone dies suddenly, the grief that you're left with once they've actually died, although everyone's grief experience is unique, that there are so many similarities to draw from and so many so much compassion and empathy that people can give each other um, even though the way that that person died may have been very different like you can have really helpful supportive conversations even if the way someone has died has been really different definitely you mentioned you know being 21 and where you were in your life what are some other aspects of having been a really young young adult when your mom died and how that affected kind of the decisions that you made or the ways that grief showed up for you? I think still being in that sort of college mindset and not really knowing what it was like to be an adult in the world and suddenly having to figure that out and then not having my mom to ask those questions or ask how she did it. I also felt jealous of my peers who were able, who were you know, entering their senior year of college and maybe we're just starting to think about what they want to do after college, but didn't have to deal with this intense life-changing event on top of it. And you said your year off of college turned into five. Is that, is there a connection with the grief in that piece? Definitely. Um, I felt really happy after my mom died around the fact that I had talked to her about taking a year off of college before she died. It was about two weeks before she died, and I told her that I just really needed a break. And she was really supportive, uh, of course. Um, And yeah, I'd planned to take a year off and then transfer, and then realized I can barely get up in the morning. I can barely go to the grocery store without feeling overwhelmed or yeah, my life really became about surviving. So I got a job and moved to Portland and just tried to start over. You talked about how life really felt like surviving. What did you turn to for help? Like what ended up being your handholds through this? Hmm. I moved to Portland about nine months after my mom died. I, I just needed to get out of San Francisco. It was where I grew up. It was where I was when my mom died and 
all my family was there and everything felt very chaotic. Obviously, things stayed chaotic. Even when I moved to Portland, I didn't, <laughs> couldn't escape that. I turned to, I turned to close people that really could understand or people that I knew wanted to support me and just help me get to where I wanted to be. I think it was very confusing in the grief to know who to trust because there were people that in my life who had been incredibly close with me that I suddenly didn't feel as close with for a number of reasons. And so really reaching out to the people that I knew had my back and that I didn't have to do as much for. I am a person that gives so much to my relationships and I couldn't do that in the place of grief. And I really needed people to be there for me without me having to show up so much. You needed people who could meet you more than halfway. Right. What about writing? How's that been a part of it for you? So writing has always been a part of my emotional processing. Writing poetry and prose has been how I've coped with life in general. And coping with my grief has been the same. So I've written so many poems about my mom and about how overwhelming the emotions are and grief comes up all the time and in places that we least expect and being able to turn to writing to do that has been very helpful. And last year I published a collection of poetry about grief um, called The Progression of Grief and it's available on Amazon and it's a collection of poems from about a month after my mom died chronologically through about a few days before the seven-year anniversary. Yeah, and the poems are amazing, listeners. I Thank will you. put a <laughs> link to where you could check them out yourself in our show notes. And then also, if you listen all the way to the end of today's episode, you'll get to hear Camilla reading one of her most recent poems about her grief and her mom. So with the title of your book of poetry, The Progression of Grief, I'm wondering, sitting where you are now, here in the recording studio of Grief Out Loud, <laughs> nine years after your mom has died, what is something you know now that you wish you could go back in time and tell your 21-year-old self? I feel like there's so many things. <laughs> I would want to tell her grief is not linear, that the stages of grief don't exist. Don't let anyone tell you that they do. I That there's no recovering from grief. It changes. It doesn't feel like year one anymore. But sometimes there are days where it feels tougher than other days. I still don't think it ever feels like it does at the beginning. I think some of that suddenness that we were talking about with the sudden death, it just feels like that shock of that they actually died and that now have to adjust to this reality. I think I've adjusted to the reality that I am going to live the rest of my life without my mom. And that's terrible. And I wish that I didn't have to live in that reality. But I don't know if I would recognize this world with my mom in it now, based on how I've created my life. I would tell myself nine years ago, that grief changes people, but it also makes them the most authentic version of themselves. And that can be amazing. And that can also be really devastating. When you are at your most raw, 
other people are also at their most raw, that can be a lot. I would also say that there are people in the world that understand what you're going through, even if it's not exactly the same. But also, there's going to be a lot of people that say that they understand, but they don't really understand. It's okay to open up to the people that you want to open up with and to not open up to other people that don't make you feel so safe. I know we don't want to give advice on the show, but um, for me, I feel like a lot of times I couldn't articulate what I needed. um, And that was really, really hard for me. And then people didn't know what to do because I wasn't telling them, which I totally get in a normal circumstance. Um, But I think with grief, it's just about showing up. And sometimes you just need someone to sit with you while you cry or just feel all the feelings because there's way, way, way too many of them. This is a weird question. Okay. How has your mom helped you with this grief? Hmm. I think that her words and her advice and her wisdom are things that stay with me. The way that she lived her life was very expressive. She did what she wanted. And upon first meeting someone, her number one go-to question would be, what's your passion? What are you passionate about? And really encouraging people to follow that. She really felt things deeply, which I know I do as well. She had many, many friends and people in her life die over the years, and I witnessed her pain in that and knowing that it's okay to feel all of those things and to genuinely be upset or to be depressed about something or to be grieving, that those were all perfectly normal ways of reacting. So I think sort of seeing her model those things, I think, has helped me feel like I'm entitled to my own experience. What's still confusing about all this? I think what's confusing is not knowing when grief stuff is going to come up. I think sometimes it can be predictable, sort of around September, which is the month that she died in, or the holidays. Even still, sometimes I'll just start feeling kind of weird, and it's hard to identify how I'm feeling. And then it sort of clicks in. Oh, wait. Oh, right. I remember. I think sometimes someone will say something that reminds me of her and there's that feeling of, oh, that's so great. My mom would love that. Or my mom used to say that. And then also the, the undercurrent of that. It's bittersweet as well of, of wishing I could share that with her. So I think sometimes just the timing of when things come up still feels confusing to me. And even nine years later, grief can be pretty unpredictable. Definitely. As we get to the end of our conversation today, Is there a way in which grief has informed some of the choices you've made in your life? I mean, in the past nine years, you've, you've almost had to like reinvent who you are and what you're doing. It's a really formative time. I think it's taught me a lot about how resilient I am. And I think recognizing life is short in a way that goes beyond just the cliche of when people say that things can end at any time and life can change in an instant. Jumping on opportunities or not staying in situations that are unhealthy or places where I've been really unhappy. Quitting a job that 
is not serving me and that I'm feel really unhappy in is something that I feel like one, my mom would have really encouraged. And also I feel like I know how to do life much better having been through such an intense grief experience. Yeah. Then it's this undercurrent of confidence that you're going to get through whatever's coming your way, even if you don't know what that's going to look like. Right. Well, Camilla, thank you for taking time today to talk with me and to share about your mom. So the rest of the world who's listening can know a little bit about her too. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And listeners, thank you for being part of our audience. You can find all our past episodes on our website, dougy.org or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. And we are coming up really close on our 100th episode. Hard to imagine. It's going to be the four-year anniversary of Grief Out Loud this January, January 2019. So if you are out there and you've got a little thing you want to share with us about what the show has meant to you, you can. there's still time. You can send us a quick voice memo. You can email it to help at Dougie.org. Thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time. poem is called The Absence of Her. As the crisp November breeze drowns out the rest of October, the aching sadness meanders in. At first, I attribute it to anxiety, to my fear of scarcity rooted from fantasy nightmares instead of reality. I want to blame it on the cold or how nostalgic the changing seasons makes me feel. But as the days pass and it becomes mid-November, and the familiarity of this pain settles into all the crevices of my heart, I know what this really is. My grief returns, amused mildly at my assessment that it ever left. As the orange and yellow leaves are more present, crumbled on the ground, than dancing on the branches, I feel myself pulling inwards. In the absence of the lady in purple, the woman who always made me feel like everything would be okay, I have created a life that I love, a life better than I ever could have imagined. And yet the absence of her at times, many times, still feels gaping, still feels unjust, still feels like I will never recover. In the absence of the lady in purple, I allow myself to see all the signs of hope and connection, always craving another connection to her. As we barrel forwards, approaching another holiday season, another winter, another year, the hole within me still feels gaping, still feels empty, still craving her love and comfort to fill it.